This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Oh, that new doctor is dropped at gorgeous. Oh, please, he's just another RV League educated surgeon with good hair. No, he's different. Nurses, we got a classy motorhome with a detached driver's side mirror. Meet me in the OR. Stat. Right away, doctor. No, 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 she's on break. I'll handle this one. Oh, you conniving little... When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Betty Gilpin from Glow and The Hunt to her debut as an author. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz, and welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, very excited to say that uh, we have Betty Gilpin back on the podcast today, and I always love talking to her because she is fiercely intelligent, funny, self-deprecating, neurotic, all the good things, and very talented as both an actor and now an author. Uh, Her new book is fantastic. It's called All the Women in My Brain and Other Concerns. Um, I have read this cover to cover, and it was not a chore at all. It was just a delight. Um, she is very insightful, very funny, very self-deprecating. This is uh, her... It's not really a memoir, though. It is, it's certainly her life and her experiences in work. But um, it has a lot more to say than that. But it also is done with a very uh, deft and light touch. Um, if you've heard her interviewed, if you've heard her past on the podcast, you know... Um, how sharp Betty Gilpin is. Um, so that is reflected in the writing. You can't go wrong. Check it out. It is out right now, All the Women in My Brain. Uh, and you'll love this chat because uh, certainly I love chatting with her. Uh, she keeps me on, on my toes. I feel like um, she is 10 times smarter than me, and that's always better than having someone uh, less intelligent than me. Though that rarely happens to everybody's smarter than me. Um, but uh, this was a good catch-up about her life and career. Um, I, I mean, we talk about The Hunt, which was a, a film that really should have gotten more attention that came out right as the pandemic uh, started, uh, the end of GLOW, what's to come in the future, and of course, her great new book. So that's the main event on today's podcast. Um, I'll brief you a little bit. I mean, it would take an entire hour to brief you on what I've been up to, honestly, lately, but um, suffice it to say, it's been a busy, fun time. I just got back from the Toronto Film Festival. Uh, Prior to that, I was at Telluride for the first time. I don't think I talked about Telluride yet on the podcast, have I? Gosh. Okay, so here, so I'll give you, like, the brief version. I might do, for the Patreon folks, uh, over at patreon.com slash happy sad confused. I'm thinking I might do um, a live uh, chat with uh, the guys over there, everybody uh, on the Patreon, just to answer all your questions about what I've been seeing, who I've been talking to, and my experiences lately, because I've done a lot. But uh, for anybody listening to this podcast, here's here's the short version. Telluride Film Festival. Amazing. Remarkable, gorgeous, beautiful, amazing films um, in beautiful Telluride, Colorado. I'd never gone. If you don't know, this is a film festival kind of stripped of all the crappy parts of film festivals, i.e. no red carpets, no camera crews, no big shitty parties. <laughs> there are some parties or there's some little small get-togethers, but it's so much more low-key. It re- you know, it sounds like a cliche, but it is true. It's about the movies. It's about people that love movies. Um... And I just adored it. Uh, saw a bunch of great movies there. Saw people that um, I really respect and love. And didn't do one interview. And I will cherish that time and tell you right. I saw Tar, the new film from Todd Field starring Kate Blanchett. Uh, fantastic. 
Women Talking, um, which is the new film from Sarah Polly that features, I mean, just so many great performances. Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Judith Ivey, the list goes on. Um, I, without exaggeration, saw Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley every day for five straight days in Telluride because it's that small and just we just kept running into each other. Um, and as you guys know, I love Claire. Uh, and now I love Jessie. Jessie is fantastic and I'm going to make sure she's on the podcast because I've been a fan, but now I'm also a fan of her in real life. Um, what else did I see? Oh man, the new Robert Downey Senior documentary, Senior, just a, a, a stunning piece of work. This is a documentary uh, directed by Chris Smith, who's a fantastic filmmaker. Um, with the full cooperation of Robert Downey Jr. and documents his dad's uh, amazing career. If you don't know Robert Downey Sr., Sr. is one of a very, uh, very influential, important kind of underground uh, indie filmmaker, uh, I guess in the 60s, 70s, uh, and, and a little bit later on, but that was his heyday. Um, and most poignantly, this documents the end of Robert Downey Sr.'s life. He passed, I believe, last year. And um, this is a really uh, up close and personal portrait of the man and his relationship with his son. And the cameras go to some very um, intimate spaces, and it's it's fantastic. Um, that's just a taste of Telluride. And then I went off to Toronto Film Festival, uh, which I always love, but haven't been to, of course, because of the pandemic for a few years. Um, saw a bunch more great movies. Um, Glass Onion, the new Knives Out movie, is fantastic. I saw the new Spielberg movie, The Fablemans. I'm still digesting that, but an amazing performance from Michelle Williams and really touching. Speaking of touching, The Whale, new Darren Aronofsky movie starring Brendan Fraser. You've probably heard about that one. Um, just about wrecked me. Like, I was sobbing at the end. <laughs> and I know some people haven't reacted well to The Whale. Uh, for whatever reason, it really, really moved me. And I, um, I'm looking forward, I mean, I guess to say it's, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. It sounds crazy because it's a very intense, dark story. But um, it really, like I said, it kind of, kind of really got to me. So uh, expect to see Brendan Fraser definitely in the awards races this year. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's that's the tease there. Again, I could talk about all that stuff for an hour, and maybe I will over on the Patreon. Um, I did uh, chat with three different folks for little mini happy sad confused episodes while I was there. Chatted with Anna Kendrick. Chatted with Kit Harrington chatted with Nicholas Cage. They're all really great conversations. Um, I'm starting to put them up already on the YouTube page, um, youtube.com slash Josh Horowitz, and that will be available in podcast form if you're listening to this very soon. So I'm just kind of drowning <laughs> a little bit in all the interviews and trying to get it to you guys as quickly as possible. Suffice it to say, if you want the earliest access to everything, go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. If you want to watch everything without paying anything extra, go to YouTube, putting that stuff up as quickly as possible on YouTube, youtube.com slash Josh Horowitz. Um, and if you just want to listen, keep subscribing to the podcast and just listen to everything here. It's all free. Um, what else can I tell you? Some upcoming events. I've mentioned them before. I'll mention them again because I always like to see you guys in person. September 23rd in New York City, me and Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Moss. I love Elizabeth Olsen too. We'll do her at some point. Elizabeth Moss for the new season of Handmaid's Tale. That's going to be fantastic. Um, that's September 23rd, 92nd Street Y. I believe it's at 7 p.m. Um, September 29th, also at 92nd Street 
Y will be Mila Kunis. Um, I'm very excited to chat with her. She's never done the podcast, though I've always enjoyed chatting with her. That will be fantastic. I believe there's a screening of her film prior to our chat. All the information is in the show notes here, so don't worry about you know writing this stuff down. And then uh, I hope to see some of you guys at New York Comic Con. I am moderating the panel for Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic biopic, which, by the way, I saw in Toronto and kicks ass. It's fantastic. It is amazing. <laughs> um, so more to come on that, but I'll be at New York Comic Con October 9th. Um, panel with Daniel Radcliffe, Evan Rachel Wood, and others for Weird. Um, okay, that's a lot, I know. Should we get to the main event? Let's do it. Okay, here is Betty Gilpin, actress, and now more importantly, author. Check out her new book, it's out right now, um, and enjoy this catch-up with me and Betty Gilpin. Why look, it's Betty Gilpin returning to the podcast this time in a Zoom box because we don't actually interact as live human beings anymore. In yeah, the world ended between when we last saw each other and now. Yeah, I like to think that our, our last podcast helped usher in a new era of um, Absolutely. Zoom boxes. Um, it it's may not be the worst though. time to be alive, but it's certainly the most embarrassing. <laughs> it might be top five <laughs> worst times to be alive. Top five worst times to be alive? Yeah, that's I a mean, fun... The, the, but That's the a fun BuzzFeed list. It all make yeah. it embarrassing. It just—it's so dumb. And like that, we're all in boxers and good sh- good shirts, as I reference my hoodie. But like, it just—it's <laughs> so stupid. But you look on your way Here out to are. mug somebody. You look like you're gonna go out and just like kick, kick no, someone's ass. No, this is this is to show you like. You may you may see me all dolled up usually, but when I am is real and an author now, so I'm ready to relate and ready to also like be an apothecary and like ask oh. for three riddles answers in order for you to see the princess on the other side. That's but then perfect. also and possibly also be the princess. Listen, I have limited time. Five questions and then we're out. Okay. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Luckily, apothecary was the secret word today, and we got it out of the way right at the beginning. <laughs> Drink every time I say apothecary. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm very happy to have you back, though. You are one of the few human beings on the planet that might be able to out-neurotic me, that might hate themselves more than I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. it's a, Self-love is a road. It's a journey. There are twists and turns. We're getting there. I'm there. I'm there. I'm self-obsessed now. Don't worry. Do you- Do you trust actors that don't have a degree of self-loathing, that don't question themselves, that don't feel imposter syndrome? Because I generally don't, but from your vantage point. Well, I, yes, no, I, I feel actor-wise, person-wise, I only relate to people who are both very passionate and very embarrassed, like the two together. And I feel like there's, um, uh, this epidemic happening where it's a lot of people who aren't passionate and aren't embarrassed. They're like right. relaxed and like, you got to see me in this. I'm great. I'm like, I bet you're not. <laughs> the people yes. who, the people who the are like, combo. I don't know, I probably suck are, are usually great. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I don't know. I, I do feel like I'm realizing that neuroses and self-hate often take up just as much space in a room as, narcissism and it's not as interesting as I think it is and also like watching the um 
commercialization and brandifying of self-hate and vulnerability makes me reflect on my own. Yeah, it's taking the like, fun out of it by marketing it's our It's completely our taking the fun out of it. And also like, I've written a book about it. I am hashtag part of the problem of the new thing of like, ding, 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 I have an announcement. Everyone look at me. The announcement is, whoa, I hate myself. Why are you guys looking at me? It's like, cause you're wearing a shirt that says, if you don't look at me, I'll kill myself. Like I, 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 I'm an actress who wrote a book about myself. Clearly I'm, I'm against all odds, finding the strength to take the spotlight. You're inspirational in that way. I, I, I have your book here as if the podcast listeners cannot see it, but I, I actually own this. I've actually read this Betty. I've got, I mean, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but like, it's one thing to watch an hour or two of TV for my ADD brain to actually finish a book is a miracle. I mean, it is wild. It's a wild ask to, I'm realizing, oh, as an actor, when you make content, the homework ask of friends and family and the public is like to sit in pajamas and open your eyes for an hour and watch a screen. I've given you, what, seven hours of homework. I'm so sorry and grateful. You, yeah, you should yeah. not apologize. I, I honestly, I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. I really did. It is like, I, I, I heard your voice for those seven hours. I heard Betty <laughs> in my brain for good or for bad. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> but no, no, it's very funny. It's very uh, insightful and very self-reflective. And yes, to your point, I feel like you've flushed a lot of it out of your system. A lot of like the bile hopefully is is maybe be, <laughs> maybe exercised through this. I don't know. Great, yeah, bile on the pages. Grab your copy now. Yeah, put that um, on the on the next edition, that quote. Yes, yeah. I tried to have it be um, a cathartic look inward while also making fun of cathartically looking inward. Right. So yes. what was the what was the the task at hand? Was this on the list for a while? How did this like this organically happen? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I think writing was always sort of my secret girlfriend um and you know something that I write about in the book uh is um you know being an actor always uh you know having started as uh, a theater nerd and just being super um passionate and nerdy about acting and then working as an actor and sort of realizing I mean maybe people feel this way across many fields that you sort of have your passion and childhood dream trapped inside a business that is weird and sometimes gross and embarrassing and funny and and fun but um you can kind of lose track of that uh initial authentic seven-year-old self reason for getting into it yeah. um and i also try to write about kind of authentic self versus presented self a lot um and I think writing, uh, because it was my secret girlfriend, it got to sort of live in the authentic self-only space because it was never being presented to the, to the world. I never right. really had to kind of sell Front it. Any other kind of thing. Yeah, you could just be totally right. like, yeah, unguarded. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, now I'm literally selling it. <laughs> so I'm like, did I sell out? Maybe. Well, it's too late now. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wrote it. Um, I had always wanted to write a book and it really took the pandemic happening and 
society, the crumbling of society, being in a in quarantine and realizing, oh, you know, maybe as we were saying, maybe the volume of my neuroses and voices in my head telling me, um, don't write, don't do, don't just hide. It's all feels pretty stupid now. Right. <laughs> so maybe just do it if the meteor is coming. Well, you, you mentioned, you know, writing be your, being your secret girlfriend, that, that jobs with dedication, which is to your secret favorite. That So that's the dedication for you, my secret favorite. Is this a way of making every reader feel like it's actually dedicated to them? Because I could I could believe I'm your secret favorite. Anybody could be. This is like the new yeah. Carly Simon, Alanis Morissette <laughs> mystery yeah. of 2022. But isn't, wasn't Carly Simon, wasn't that Mick Jagger? Wasn't your so vain about Mick Jagger? Well, or, or and wasn't, about all wasn't you ought to know about Dave Coulier? Is it settled? Has the science been settled? I don't know. No. Remember it, but did you read there was a recent headline where he was like, uh, he just talked about you ought to know. He was like, I didn't realize I hurt her so much. Like, well, and I, I always thought the lyric was the cross-eyed bear that you gave to me. Like he gave her a cross-eyed teddy bear. I was like, this is a monster. And only this year was like, oh, it's the cross-eyed bear. You could have multiple meetings. There could be a literal cross-eyed bear, which is chilling and will haunt my dreams tonight. <laughs> Absolutely Thank you. Absolutely chilling. But Uncle Joey is not as much of a sociopath that I thought he was because there was not a cross-eyed teddy bear. Right, um, right. What was the question? Oh, there was no question. It was, it was an observation of your, of your, of your mysterious dedication. Well, here, here's a question. Yes. Here's an actual question. Okay, um, great. Because there are a lot of actual, there, there are a lot of kind of what I would say kind of, um, not theories, I don't know, like just sort of like ways of, of looking at, at yourself and your place in the universe and in place in acting. And I'm curious, like, did these, are these things that you kind of came up with as you started the writing process? Like the Barbie versus Salem thing, is that something you've talked about for years? Or is that as you're writing like, oh, this is how I can contextualize how I feel about these, this kind of code switching, this kind of different personality um, thing? Yeah, so there's an essay that I write, uh, uh, that I write in the book, uh, about that's called Salem versus Barbie. And it really is about sort of authentic self versus presented self. Um, and I, yeah, I think my brain has always been crowded and metaphory in a way that my husband and therapist have asked me to tone down for clarity and my editor certainly and the world at large. Um, so I thought I'd double down and really lean into <laughs> confusing roundabout metaphors. Um, you know, it, speaking of neuroses thinking about things kind of mystically and metaphorically makes me um obsess less about things that um I don't know not don't matter but like a lot of my acting process is thinking about uh you know I write a ton um for preparing for a role and it's a lot of weird metaphors like that and I think it's just like, it's almost like a little cat toy for my brain to be like, think about a pine tree metaphor instead of whether or not the shape of your face sucks in this camera, camera angle. Um, but yeah, Salem versus Barbie, it was a way for me to make sense of what it feels like to have being a, kind of my most cavewoman authentic self in a part um, be my job and also the getting of that job and selling of that work uh, involve the opposite of authentic self to be like the most barbiest, fake filteriest version of myself and sort of commuting between those two things. Um, 
And it's encapsulated yeah. a bit. I know we've talked in the past and you talk in the book about, I mean, one way it's encapsulated, I feel like is in the nurse Jackie role, perhaps is it's a good mm-hmm. example of that, right? In terms of like, yes, I'm going on the outside. I'm going in as your bimbo, as your Barbie, but I'm trying, right. I'm kind of like shoveling in the back door. You're interesting right. shit. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I write about um, uh, that job that basically once puberty sort of assigned me this identity that I didn't feel inside that was sort of the opposite of the, you know, in high school I had no curves, super tiny, like kind of lemury wallflower person. And then all of a sudden I was um, super curvy and barbie or whatever. And uh, I was sort of uh, being cast as parts where um, my brain was empty and my pants were at my ankles. And I, you know, did all of those parts <laughs> gladly to qualify for health insurance. Um, and Nurse Jackie was sort of a particular uh, perfect allegory for how I felt all the time, which was like assuring the bros in charge that I was going to check the Bratz doll boxes um, and then trying to get the cerebral feminist playwrights who wrote the show to believe that I was actually the lemur wallflower person and um, really wanted to be a character actress and like please can we strike a deal where if I press my areolas against the lens every other episode I can also like do weird things with my face and a funny walk and that, they wasn't, let me. that wasn't actually in the contract you didn't actually put that in writing <laughs> it that was been... a silent contract <laughs> <laughs> i mean the lawyer that would have to draft that up could you imagine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the things that i get the emails that i get from my lawyers being like do you accept the visibility of your butt cheeks in this episode I'm like yes i also just want to say i'm an empowered breadwinner and very proud feminist wise of where I am. And yes, I consent to butt cheeks. <laughs> Has everybody like in your close personal circle read the book? Like who, who do you want to read the book? Who do you de- desperately not want to read this book? Oh God. Um, <laughs> who do I not want to read the book? I mean, it's funny. I My only other experience with writing publicly is I've had, you know, maybe five, six essays uh, published air quotes on online and and some, I guess, in print parchment. Um, And the process has really been like, I assume the posture of a tired gargoyle in the corner of my room, brain shit out an essay, send it and it gets posted and, um, you know, 12 people I love and 16 people I don't know are like, Hey, I saw that. I'm like, Oh, thanks. And that's it. Right. Um, or I hear third hand about the negative response and you know, it takes a couple days to shake off. I kind of thought the book would be like that. And I'm realizing it's not, <laughs> it's much more like I have to spend, you know, not have to, but like, I, I do want the book to do yeah. well and I want people to read it, but it's, um, I don't know. It's the constant battle of uh, the um, side of my brain. That's like, I don't want anyone to read it. I'm a very private person. Why don't I even write it? And then the other side is like, I want everyone to read it and understand me. And then all my problems will dissolve. So, you know, everyone and no one is the answer. 
will, will the movie star with the serial killer kitchen know who they're talking about when when they, when they read the? <laughs> He's not gonna read this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You don't name names too much. You don't, often you don't even name like the projects. You kind of have to like put it together and be like, yes, what well, you're talking I think about. that's a conscious decision, obviously. Like, y- yes, yeah, I purposely don't name names or the projects because. I think two things. I think I was super afraid that um, people would think that I wrote a book because I thought I was someone who had enough name recognition for people to be like, think that I would write a book that's like, when I'm on set, here are the tricks and trades of me as the person you know. And actually, it's sort of like, um, really the opposite that I just want I want the reader to be able to place themselves in my situation, even if they're not in the entertainment business. And um, yeah, I I, uh, I thought the anonymity of it would sort of help that happen. Well, it is, I think I would argue it is very relatable whether you're in the industry or not. I mean, I, can't, I, I doubt like Dolly Parton's memoir or JLo's memoir talks about shitting their pants. That feels like that's <laughs> more memoirs you know could, could benefit from that. Exactly. I'm sure Dolly Parton and Jennifer Lopez have shit their pants. That was probably like a $6,000 fix. And for me, it wasn't as expensive. Yeah. Yes. Thank you you for bringing that up. I, I talk about bravely shitting my pants at work. Look, I mean, I, okay, I, I underlined that. I earmarked that obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever shit your pants at work? At work? No, no. In life though, my brother, shout out to my brother, shed his pants um viewing the i believe declaration of independence or bill of rights oh wow <laughs> very moved by it a, a, a yeah. real patriot a real... Yes, exactly exactly Look, i didn't say which brother is... harry or sam oh see this is why you're subtle and this have great anonymity, yeah. yes yeah 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 look this podcast is barely halfway through we'll see what happens by the end of it <laughs> yeah right yeah i'll be reciting my social security number to the tune of the national anthem um, do you feel like, uh, there, I mean, there is like a, it's, it, it's an interesting book because I also feel like you tell me, like, were you thinking of a specific audience in mind for this? Because it, it and certain chapters are really dive more into this. Like, it feels like you're speaking to almost a younger self or a young actor or actress. Like there, there's actual real useful, I don't know, like you do kind of yeah. pull the curtain back on just the real nitty gritty of what it's like to just be a human in this insane world. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I think that um, I wanted to poke fun at this particular moment in time where, you know, I'm 36. I've been uh, acting professionally since like 2006. Um, and so I think that <laughs> particularly actors my age are having to sort of um, straddle this line of like, pretending we've always been a part of the solution and everything's fixed now and just don't watch my work from 2006 to 2015 and we're good like I think that um and and where feminism is right now that you know I think we're just so quick to try to sell the merch of a victory socially before having the victory itself and to erase past discretions or um, stains on our history by just saying, okay, everything's fixed. And, um, you know, I think that we're sort of in this time where 
I talk about being an actress now feels like we're both in, pretending we're in 2063 while also still being in 1952. Right. And, uh, you know, I think being a woman right now feels like that, that, um, you know, I, I, uh, I also talk about like, as we're getting as actresses, um, more producer credits and as many fart jokes, so rises the smoke and mirrors demands of um, how we're meant to look and be and sort of like be our most authentic self while also being the most fantasy self ever really. Um, and uh, it just feels so oxymoronic and silly while also being fun. It's not, you know, I, I don't think um, these issues are, should be the number one cover of the New York times. Like we must stop contouring cheeks <laughs> for our children's future you know I love a contour uh but it just is funny that we're sort of um doing these two things at once and like where is this going to go is this are we fixing everything or are we making everything worse I don't know where does okay so like I remember in our last chat and in, in, in reading the book, it's, it, it, you talk about the kind of having low expectations for yourself, especially kind of like at the beginning of your career. And even a couple of years ago when we were chatting, you were joking about like, you know, being the mom of Elle Fanning on a sitcom, you know, <laughs> a sitcom in two years, which you're not, though still sounds like an intriguing possibility. Absolutely. Where, so, so how does like, okay, this, the existence of this book and the really cool, places even post glow which is like probably a scary moment where your career has gone gaslit yeah. the new show i think you're filming right now how does that yeah. jibe with betty self-doubting it's all about to come crashing down any moment are you are you less hard on yourself now on that realm I'm kind of like yeah i can i'm on a bit of a ride let me enjoy this ride it, it may not be as bleak as i've made it out to be <laughs> totally oh god i hope i don't i mean you know, I'm definitely having to do some um, identity <laughs> rearranging and adjusting where like, oh, it doesn't, you know, uh, I don't want to name names, but I see myself in other people who are still trying to do the aw shucks, gee whiz, me um, personality branding when they're like, trillionaires with many awards where you're like oh well like, it doesn't really work anymore <laughs> right right you know you, get, you don't get to play that card yeah That's my now card. it seems <laughs> false but it's, it can't be my card anymore really because um you know I remember here like you know when I was not working and um broke and talking to my friends who were working and were not broke hearing them um, be self-deprecating, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And also <laughs> like, it just is feeling false. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, uh, so for me finding that balance of like being honest about having a healthy sense of still self-loathing and making fun of myself while also being like, I can't deny that I am a person who wants things has achieved some of them and is proud of those achievements while still being very aware that it all could go away. I also think that the business is just changing where, you know, there's just so much content and so many 
channels and whatever that being a working actor who is, you know, out there in the zeitgeist, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're famous because there's just so many people out there and shows and whatever that, um, and it kind of means that you can try to carve out a sort of your, your weird corner. Like what's your version of this? Doesn't, it's not only like you have to try and get to this one echelon. That's the only echelon that exists or failure. It's like, I'm on a Peacock show. I was on a star show before that. Only some people have stars and Peacock, Josh. (laughs) And I love it because I can go to the bodega with like eye crust shutting the left eye closed and I get recognized maybe twice a year, if that. And it's always by either a gay man with a specific compliment or a straight man who wants to cut my head off and put it on his shelf. And listen, I love both of them and I really appreciate both their their words and encouragement. I (laughs) I want to hug one and run from the other. I fit neither of those. And I would scream out, that's the woman that shat her pants in her book. I know that woman. <laughs> Great. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. You, you, uh, the beginning of, okay, pandemic, look, let's, let's caveat this with the pandemic was insane for everybody. And it was just a real, a real thing. And career stuff yeah. is one thing. But, but with that caveat, the beginning of the pandemic was particularly interesting career-wise for you because Mm-hmm. The Hunt was the last movie I saw in a theater for about two years, for instance. Yeah, <laughs> um, Which, by the way, c- kind of got lost, Sally. And it's honestly a legitimately great movie. I know you're collaborating with Damon again, who I positively yes. adore. Um, yeah, but then also, you guys were kind of like one of the first casualties TV-wise, Glow, which yeah. had already shot the first episode. You were into, I think, the, was it the fourth season, I think? Yeah. And yep, yeah. So I guess... I don't know how to summarize that period for you, but like that must have been a little bit of a mindfuck that kind of like from a career perspective of like, wait, this the biggest opportunity feature film wise in my career, a film that I'm very proud of. Totally. Became deeply polarizing and then ignored because of yep. the pandemic. And then yes. the, the role of a lifetime was just kind of pulled away prematurely with no actual closure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, something I try to write about in the book is having this, idea that your dream and specifically you know having this version of yourself or what you want to do buried inside all this neuroses that we're talking about and having that thing coming out into the world like you externalizing that buried thing is very different than public validation like having you do the thing that you were scared that you'd never do right um is different than having the world say uh i love you and i you're accepted or whatever and i and think hopefully I the learned... former is a little more imp- important hopefully the... <laughs> exactly and i think that um it's so easy to get those two things confused yeah. um and the hunt for me is weirdly that exact thing that i you know when um when they were casting it, uh, I was shooting, um, uh, I was shooting Wuthering Heights in London. I'm sorry. I was shooting a dog's purpose Two in Winnipeg. Um, and, uh, <laughs> not, uh, and I was sort of like, um, just sort of resigned to like, okay, there's a thing that I want to do and the character that I want to play and the 
kind of actor I want to be. And the business is just never going to let me be that. Right. And I have to be re- realistic about it. And I'm going to be the drunk mom and a dog's purpose too. And that's going to be what I'm going to do. And then the hunt came along. I fought really hard for that part. Um, Cause I was like, Oh man, this is what it's, this is my opportunity to do the thing. Uh, and then I really did the thing. I did what I wanted to do with that part. And it was a completely life-changing experience And, you know, it's not a life-changing movie. I love that movie, but it's not like the, the, the magic and alchemy that you feel doing something is, you know, ultimately it's a, it's a movie or it's a book or it's a, you know, painting. Like it's always, um, it's never going to, the result is never going to be as magical as the experience, but it doesn't change the experience. And when that, yes. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy who was the president before Joe Biden, and I'm forgetting his name, uh, but he tweeted about the trailer for The Hunt, and it made the internet septic explode. And then six, and then the movie was pulled, like Universal canceled it. It felt like, oh my God, my opus is trapped in this movie that no one will get to ever see. Six months later, Universal was like, okay, we're going to put it out. I was like, here's the moment. And then it came out March 13th, 2020, and theaters closed two days later. The good news is I hear Trump loves this. He has shit his pants many times in his life. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the guy I'm thinking of. I I don't want to say that name. I I forget who it is. I want to say it's his name was Carl. No, that's not it. Um, uh, But yeah, it really is like, I, I still got to do the yeah. thing. And even though it's, you know, buried on Netflix somewhere, that's kind of a better personality fit for me, honestly. No, I, 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 <laughs> so Co-san. watch The Hunt, it's on Netflix. Yes. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> and, and then on the glow front, which is a bit of a different situation, because you didn't get to, I mean, you've, obviously you've, you've spent several years on it, so you got to like experience all of that. I yeah. guess my question on, on the end of, of what Glow was is like, did it feel at the time like we tried everything we possibly could to figure out a way to do this? Like, were you one of the ones saying like, wait, what about this? Let's let's go to Peacock. Let's put it on Quibi in six minute increments. <laughs> like, let's just do something to finish this, guys. Or were you kind of like at a certain point, it's okay, it's okay. we got three three years out of this and we're good. I mean, those three years were pretty fucking magic. And yeah, I was I was super sad that, we didn't get to finish out season four, you know, maybe someday something will happen, but I, you know, it was 2020 and the, the lessons a la the hunt and, you know, society crumbling. I just didn't want to um, seem tone deaf in that, you know, ringing a bell in the town square saying the most devastating part of March, 2020 is that a TV show got canceled in the fourth season. I I was, I just felt like uh, kind of super protective of, I don't know, the world. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is correct. Yeah. (laughs) This is the correct answer. Great. Uh, You're, you're, you're in the middle, I believe, of shooting Mrs. Davis. Do I have that right? The Peacock show? Yes. Yes. I'm doing this Peacock show that um, 
this genius woman, Tara Hernandez and Damon Lindelof created. I'm playing a nun fighting an AI. Is that the log line? It is. I believe I found. Yes, it's a great. <laughs> you play a better. You play a nun who goes to battle against an all powerful artificial intelligence. Excellent. In OK, know. I'll drop that in tomorrow when I'm filming. Great. <laughs> I yeah, mean, this, I've been. This, yeah, I, I was going to say this does get at. I know Damon pretty well uh, over the years and he's the best. Oh, cool. And it sounds like it's encapsulates the faith versus science thing, which is at the core of much of his yeah. personality and work. Um, always provocative, always fascinating. Um, so I know you can't say much, but this feels it's special my, as it were. This, as it, yes. This might be my favorite job I've ever had. I, yeah, I, I think I will be like, uh, will realize that Damon has painted the color of this wall and be like <laughs> to my head if I say anything besides the, the yeah. general logline. But I, um, it's it's going to be wild, and it's just been so far a couple months of me running around in a wool habit uh, in 102 degrees in the desert. The costume designer is very much British, and I don't think understood what the desert feels like. But listen, it's going to be incredible. <laughs> were, you, were you the one that told Damon to tell the internet that there should be less Marvel movies and now they're out with pitchforks after him again? Every time that poor man opens his mouth, <laughs> the nerds of the internet are ready to strike him down. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I'm terrified of everything you just said. I wasn't aware of it. And oh, yeah. uh, my lawyers asked me to not comment at this time. Oh, Only to say that Damon is a genius who's a huge Marvel fan. So yeah. No. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I know well, you hated the end of Lost, so that's okay. We will just put that. I, out there. Josh, you're trying to tell me. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. So, um, uh, we've been talking comfort movies since uh, the global pandemic descended two years ago because we all needed comfort. I've been asking every guest to choose one. You, you greedy lady, chose yeah, three. <laughs> <laughs> so we we're gonna do, give. We can do the one. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to I mention all three and, okay, and we can dive Honorable deeper mention. if we want into, into one. Yeah, exactly. Let's okay. see. I mean, I don't know. Do we start sequentially back in time? Where do we? How about that? Yeah. Let's you, go. You, yeah, go ahead. Let's go Jerry Maguire. You, okay, go okay, Jerry. Okay, okay, we're just going to focus up on Jerry. Great. Jerry Maguire. The so runners up first... were School of Rock and White Christmas, but Jerry Maguire. Wonderful. Jerry Maguire. Great. I think this might be our second Cameron Crowe pick. Def someone's definitely done Almost Famous. Um Jerry Maguire, I'm not going to summarize it. People know what Jerry Maguire is if they listen to this podcast. But when 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 did this hit you? Did you do you remember seeing this when it came well, out? What, yeah. I went to remember the Rosie O'Donnell show. I do. <laughs> um, I went as an audience member and we all got VHSs of Jerry Maguire under our seats. Um, it was why the audience went ape shit. I was wearing a sunflower balloon pant and a tank top and I lost my mind. Um, and <laughs> I just, my friend Zoe Kazan and I were talking about it recently that like, it's such a masterclass in acting on the line, which means like Tom Cruise just uses the text like it's Shakespeare. And, you know, I think there's such a, um, <clears throat> and maybe it's, I used to be like, are Matthew McConaughey and Tom Cruise sad that they're not in Ocean's Eleven? And I feel like Jerry Maguire is the reason why Tom Cruise is actually better than Ocean's Eleven because there's such a movie star thing, I feel, where you just play sleepy status, where you're just better than everyone and a little tired and always on the back foot and always like, yeah, 
sounds about right. And Tom Cruise, uh, no, Jerry Maguire, it's like the engine is going and he, the stakes are high. He's using the words. He's making a thousand choices. Um, and to me, it's so refreshing because I feel like often the actresses in a scene in a movie are having to do the backflips and the engine and the choices and the like you have to sob and be gorgeous and take off your clothes and do like and the guys are just sort of sleepy status being like yeah sounds about right and tom cruise does a hundred backflips per scene sometimes Um, literally sometimes yeah yeah. exactly (laughs) yeah and it just is so refreshing to me I love that. That is great analysis. And I've not thought about it that way. Do you, do you relate most to, I mean, there are a lot of, look, he is the engine, but you've got Rod, you've got Dorothy, you've got a great ensemble. Who, which character do you connect with in that film? I mean. The kid who talks about how big the human head is. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think I probably relate to, I mean, Bonnie Hunt is is kind of the one. She's the ocean's eleven. She's the Danny Ocean. She's the sleepy status. She's like, I'm tired, better than these people. Um, no, I think uh, probably Jerry. Just being so embarrassingly, it's it's his passion is trapped in a business that doesn't value him, and that's that's what the book is about, John. <laughs> Connecting it, bringing it all around. Have you yeah. ever met Mr. Tom Cruise, Betty? I have not. Has anyone? Think about that. Can, can Think you about really that. meet? <laughs> That's when I should slam my computer closed. Think about that. Boom. <laughs> Would you want to be in a Mission Impossible movie? Is this your sly audition tape to be to hang off an airplane with Tom Cruise to jump into a volcano with Tom Cruise? Um, hereditarily, I have Irish ankles, which are weak, and I think jumping off a curb honestly is a threat to those ankles, and I worry about them in a helicopter setting. We just talked through the hunt. We saw you kick Hillary Swank's ass. You're okay. My you ankles do. hurt so much. No, I, I, um, I, my body hurts <laughs> from the things I've done to it. And every passing month, maybe 10 years ago, I could have, but listen, I'm 67. I know I look great, but I'm 67 years old <laughs> and I can't, yeah, I'm turning down a Mission Impossible movie. You know, I'm ha- happy to memorize lines and go to Minsk. <laughs> <laughs> they all they you get an email today saying look we, we gal gadot had a great run but we need a new wonder woman betty you're our lady <laughs> do you sure accept it or, or do you reject it on the basis that you're gonna have to face your fears and go to comic-con and see six thousand of me in a room staring at you i've been to comic-con i and uh i did a like women who kick ass empowerment panel in oh, hall h that was did before the marvel panel so the audience was only marvel people who didn't want to see our panel um so i've done it and the and the host was like (laughs) i watched it happen in slow motion she was like any liberty bells in the audience it was just like like this is that an actual tumbleweed in san diego yeah yeah Yeah. it was like i made eye contact with someone like a dragon hat they were like oh i'm sorry like it's okay (laughs) <laughs> no, no Amazing. worries. I got um, nothing but love for the Marvel community. <laughs> look, I'm sure the next go around in our chat will look back and laugh as you're playing, you know, Captain Marvel's sister for the fourth time, <laughs> international superstar. Um, 
it's always a good uh, pleasure truly to catch up. You're the best. Uh, this book is, is really great. I really, I really dug it. Honestly, um, Thank you, all Josh. the women in my brain uh, and other concerns, you get bonus material, other concerns as well. Are in so there. many concerns. Concerning. Um, good luck with uh, the shoot. Give my best to Damon. And um, yes, hopefully I will see you outside of a Zoom box one of these days. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>